Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devinder Hardwar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. Today, we will be talking about the Kindle Scribe that Sherlyn just reviewed on the site. We'll also be diving into some Twitter clones that have been popping up all over the place. Honestly, uh, things have been growing up really quickly. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun discussion because there are way too many, and I feel like that's worth a chat. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice, leave us a review on iTunes. You can always drop us an email at podcastandgadget.com. We also typically do a live stream on our YouTube channel Thursday mornings around 10 a.m. Eastern. We also sometimes do it around 11 a.m. Eastern. You know what? Just follow us on Twitter. I'm at Devendra. Sherlyn is at Sherlyn Lowe, and uh, we'll usually put updates there. So the Kindle Scribe is finally here, Shalin. I think a lot of us were very excited about this thing because it's Amazon getting into writable e-ink. You know, um, there there have been a couple other e-ink tablets like this. There's the Remarkable 2. There's some, there are a lot of like random ones from Chinese companies as well. But this is the big one from Amazon. What do you think? Because you seem pretty positive in your review. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this. When... Uh... I was assigned to review it. I was like, whoa, it's me? Because like like you said, everybody was very excited for this thing, right? Everyone on our team was like raising their own hands. Like, I'll do it. I volunteer as tribute. I I I was was thinking, it's Sherlyn? She doesn't like e-readers. What? She doesn't love Kindles. Excuse me? I love Kindles. Uh What are you talking about? But here's the other thing too. Like writing, I'm one of the people, I'm of the age where like I grew up writing, right? I grew up writing on pen and paper or pencil and paper. And a lot of like mind mapping was part of my learning process growing up. I don't know if like American people used mind maps growing up. I mean, you also grew up in in an age where there were more devices and things to do mind mapping, but it was a thing. I just... Oh, no, yeah. I did pen and paper. Did I did markers, paper. colorful things. It yeah. was not so not was a thing, thing we talked no. about very often, but we talk about brainstorming okay. and things like that. Yeah. Doing all that stuff, I don't have to belabor the point, but a lot of us like find writing, like the physical act of writing, a good way to kind of like remember things, right? So that's why I was pretty hyped for this as well. And I will say, yeah, in general, I, I really like the writing experience. That's not to say the Kindle Scribe doesn't have a lot of flaws. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that there's not a lot of better op- alternatives out there. But I think as an e-reader and writer combo because of its strengths as an e-reader this thing this thing shines this thing's like really good um and we can like get more into it i just want to like i know the review video went up yesterday and a lot of people were like why didn't you compare it like more to the remarkable 2 and i know that that's like its direct competitor have you played with the remarkable 2 at all not in, not at all, not enough. Yeah. Only like briefly in it's, passing because why? Mm-hmm. Chris Velasco, <laughs> uh, he left with former it. Former Engadget reporter, 
took it with him when he left Engadget, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, also, he was the one who reviewed it for It's a device time. I wanted to play more with, but that Remarkable requires a subscription. That is ridiculous. It is so expensive. It's also, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. And then that Remarkable tablet itself costs around $270 as a base. And then you have to add the pen, which is another $100-ish. So that puts it a little bit more expensive than the Kindle Scribe to start, which like, you know, as a non-e-reader, it does have better software, I will say. Like it has like better syncing and like note-taking software from what I've heard or what I've seen from the research I've done. Um, Again, having not used it myself, I can't give you like a super in-depth comparison um but we could try to do that we could call it in and have like an e-reader e-writer kind of a guide so so this is bigger (laughs) than a typical kindle too right it has a bigger screen so it should be better for reading in addition to being able to write yeah yeah did you find that useful it's a it's got a 10.2 inch screen so i took this on the plane with me uh when i went to san francisco for thanksgiving and i read a book called blackout um by aaron flanagan I mean, I didn't set it to any like special setting. I just used it the way it was set up right out of the box. So it started to like default font sizes and stuff. And I could see obviously more text on screen. Um, I also found found it easy to use with one hand because it's got like, a, I don't know if people like this, but it's got a pretty thick bezel on the long side, which is, yeah. you know, they, easy they for do that for holding. Hand. Yeah. So you're not like touching exactly. the screen. Yeah. A lot of e-readers do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So there's a lot of e-readers that do that, whether it's the long side or short side that has the fat bezel but um some people i remember seeing their like comments they were like oh i don't like this why is the bezel so thick i'm like because because you want to hold yeah. on to and it, so uh, that's the premium kindles too like the kindle was it the voyage or whatever the like higher end ones they mm-hmm. always had that Oasis bezel yeah the oasis yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah and and even some nooks like uh or kobos kobo aura kobo like some of their e-readers i have some more experience with kobo e-readers than i do say like an e-ink writing tablet um so yeah i didn't do a lot of comparisons straight to like a kobo e-reader in my review but i think it's a well-known fact that kindles are among the best out there um yeah it's if, also- if you don't mind like all the problems around amazon like that's the thing like i like the hardware that's the thing. i don't like amazon as a company and sort of the way they are they're kind of taking over yeah. ebooks in general too. How is um how, how so how is the writing? Because we're looking at the video too here. Yeah. You can check this out yeah. in Trillin's review. It looks pretty smooth. It looks pretty responsive. Does it actually yeah. feel like pen to paper? Yeah, very much so. I mean, like some people were asking me if the screen scratches or like just the overall f- sensation. Because the screen is matte, unlike say like a Galaxy right, Tab right. or like um uh iPad, you don't have the the feeling of smoothness is a little different. It feels smooth and yet it's feel it still sort of has that matte finish that paper in real life obviously has. So it's very realistic and comfortable. Also very responsive. I don't even know the exact number as to the latency, uh, how many milliseconds, and the screen refresh rate. Screen refresh rate is obviously slow, right? Because this is <laughs> uh, e-ink. Uh, tablet display so it's going to refresh every once in a while but as you're writing the inking does come out very very quickly it's almost instantaneous that's that's actually that's pretty interesting because before when you would try to like make a mark or something on a, on a kindle screen like it would take a while there's certainly <laughs> a delay um where yeah. and it still seems like there's a delay in the whole page refresh but i guess as you're writing it's yes. faster that's yes unique yes okay. and i'm suspect i suspect that the technology has to do with the pen yeah. itself yeah. is built in to respond to a different part of the screen mm-hmm. right like maybe the digitizer layer is just more responsive yeah, that makes sense. or yeah. something like that yeah. Right. Yeah. Because but, but, and, and that helps with things like palm rejection, because 
you know, finger and palm triggers on the screen don't register as quickly, partly because of screen re-register, partly because maybe they built in palm rejection, but to the point where like I could leave my entire palm on the screen and write and have, you know, no marks show up anywhere but where the pen is touching the screen. So it is clearly the way this like system is built. It, it's the connection between the nib or the eraser and the digitizer layer that is making the marks show up or disappear. But I did feel like when I, you know, dragged my palm across the screen sometimes when I was writing, accidentally triggered like a page turn um, once or twice. So I wouldn't say it's perfect, but it's pretty good. That kind of makes sense. Does this only work with the Amazon pen or can you use like other styluses? Mm-mm. Yeah, it's 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 a yeah. Yeah. So for three hundred and forty dollars, the basic bundle comes with a basic pen. Uh, so you got the 10.2 inch tablet and a basic pen. The difference between the basic pen and the premium pen that we received is there's a premium pen. Okay. Yeah, the premium pen has a an eraser, dedicated eraser at the top, and this is like is I mean obviously it's all software. It's not like an actual <laughs> eraser with dust, um, but you flip it over and it makes erasing things very easy. Um, and then it's got a shortcut button on the body of the pen itself near the nib. Which is, uh, I found the placement. That's exactly what Microsoft did. Remember with the Surface exactly. pens, like that had the eraser. Oh, most styluses. Yeah, most styluses, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, what is the price but, uh, difference between the basic and the premium pen? I was going to say, yeah. I, I um, remember trying to remember off the top of my head, I think it's $30 more for the premium mm. pen. Um, but, you know, Amazon includes the basic pen with its basic bundle price of 340 So They, they want you to buy the other pen because you're probably going to want to have multiples in case you lose a, a stylus or something, right? I'm, I guess. Um, I mean, speaking of this, the pen, whether it's the basic or the premium, it'll attach magnetically to the edge uh, of the of the tablet and i found the magnet is pretty strong i never felt like i was gonna lose well i did lose my pen <laughs> when i threw it in my purse without exactly. the um cover if yeah i was like Where bag, where's my pen you're, you're kind of you're kind of yeah. just relying on that yeah yeah so that's why you want the case but speaking of the case uh this case okay i will admit that i threw out the box after i took out the case and i didn't look at the instructions as to how to prop it up uh, but when me and Chris Velasco, cause I saw him in San Francisco, um, we got together and we were like reviewing the testing out the scribe together. And I was asking him for his thoughts and stuff. And I was like, how do you use this damn case? And him and I struggled to figure it out for like 30 minutes and we couldn't find a good configuration to prop it up in. And then when we were shooting the review video, I also asked our video producer, Joelle, and I was like, hey, if you can figure it out on camera, please figure it out, like do it and tell me how to use it. And they couldn't figure it out either. And then I asked Amazon before we even shot the video, like how we're supposed to use this case. And because it was like holidays and Thanksgiving, no one was really around to respond until like a little too yeah, late yeah. until after the video. So in the video, I still do like complain a lot about it. It should be but intuitive. I say that, like, like it should make sense. It should. Yeah. So that, that is a user experience problem over there. Yeah. I will. I mean, I will say after adding the instructions, it's not like it's that much easier. Like you have to flip it so that the like half of it is propping up and then the oh, other half of it is it's, like on the back. It's of one the of those tablet. origami type cases. So Amazon exactly. Amazon's used these before and they've always sucked. So, yep. OK, yeah, yep. that makes sense. It's too flimsy is part of the reason it doesn't work very well. If like it had magnet magnets to kind of assist in it. It might be better. I don't know. Do we'll you, see. But I don't want to. Yeah. yeah. My, my real question is like, do you want to keep using this thing or would you rather just yes. have a dedicated e-reader where you don't have to worry about like actually writing on it? I love I love the fact that it can 
take in stylus input. I think, first of all, the experience is amazing. I think I've just gotten better at my Japanese handwriting since. <laughs> I, I realized I had forgotten how to write the basic Japanese alphabet, which is like my hiragana, and which is like even just the a, i, u, e, o, which is like the ABCDs, yeah. right? Um, I forgot how to write most of them. So I spent a lot of this review kind of practicing, <laughs> and I sent a picture of it to, to Matt Smith on our team because he's fluent in Japanese. And he was like, oh, this one's good. That one's bad. And I was like, great. So I feel like I did enjoy that. I also make, made a lot of lists. So without my lists, I'm one of those people that without my list, I am lost, right? <laughs> That's where the Kindle scribe really falls short, in my opinion. The software here, atrocious. Amazon, come the hell on. You can make, you can do better. So these notes that you write down in your notebooks section of the Kindle, they sync automatically to the Kindle app, which you have to use to set up the device anyway, right? So when you scroll over to your Kindle app, you can go under settings or more and look for notebooks. You'll see them show up there as individual images. Uh, you can't edit them on your phone. Yeah. You can't edit them elsewhere. There's no handwriting recognition to convert shit to text. Samsung Notes does that. I assume there's no integration with like Evernote or anything like that. There's no, no integration to anything. No, not else. yet. Okay. So my my suspicion, and I can't say it's my understanding, my suspicion is that I think Amazon will push an update later, maybe like January next year, uh, to push through some additional third-party support features. Yeah. Like for you example, want one note. You want Evernote. I think there's some kind yeah, of... Something. Yeah, there's some kind of Google integration I think that might be coming. Um, none of this is like stuff I've heard officially from Amazon. I think it's a little bit of hearsay on my part. Um, but yeah, no, this is the stuff that even here's the thing, right? They need to figure out how they're exporting these things yeah. to these third party apps. Yeah. Because if they're exporting it as a PDF, which is what they tell you, they're like, you can export it to a PDF and use an editor. Who I can't edit PDF on Evernote. That's, on my so, that's so useless. Like, and the. That kind of shows like this is a problem with a lot of Amazon devices, and I'd say Google devices too. Like they don't think past the initial whiz bang part of the user experience to like, okay, so I have all these images or I have all these notes. Like, how do I work with them? How do I live with them? How do I incorporate them into my daily workflow? I guess, yeah, they still don't have that. I mean, one story we had this week that we didn't get to talk about last week is uh, Amazon reported that it's on pace to lose $10 billion from its Alexa division and other devices division. I believe that includes kindle um but they have a lot of problems with devices in general and with software so this just seems like another part of that yeah i mean look amazon is not the strongest software company we've seen it suffer with its halo fitness devices we've seen it <laughs> kindle like fire even phone. i even complain yeah the fire phone i even complained in my review that like the kindle interface is so dated it needs i, I get that it's for e-ink and it refreshes slow but come on to x out of my notebook and go to a different notebook i had to go back to the notebooks page and then select a new notebook and then wait like it's just too many steps um there's a lot of things that can be done to improve the kindle scribe i think though that the good news is most of those issues are software based a lot of um the hardware itself i mean this is a stunning kindle like it's thin light super thin it's like point uh oh i can't remember the exact number now it's so many numbers in my head but it's so it's so sleek it's got uh it's 0.95 pounds very light uh, pretty some flex. light because if you want just an e-reader only kindle i think you could get like down to half that weight like you can get it super, oh for sure super light but don't forget this is 10.2 inch it's 10.2 inch screen um so for the size it's got surprisingly a lightweight you know it's a lightweight and also it didn't flex too much, which I think is good. I did put it on the back of my 
uh, airplane seat <laughs> and lean back against it because I like to hide these tablets away from the flight attendants. Um, Why? Yeah, Why? I mean, cause technically, I guess one time someone on a British Airways flight yelled at me for holding on to a thing. And they were like, put it away, put it on the overhead. I'm like, no, no I'm going to be separated from this. So. And that's wrong. They're just wrong, anyway. but whatever. They're wrong. The I know, wrong. but now I've been yeah. gaslit. <laughs> so, yeah, would you would you buy this, Sherlyn? Like, that is my question. Because I'm also in the market for a new Kindle. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like with these software issues. Here's the other thing. I like it for like a notepad replacement. Because I'm the sort of person that doesn't like loose leaves of paper right, lying right. around. But I tend to have them anyway. Um, and the other thing is, it's not water resistant. That's it's, it's not. That's a deal breaker. Is that because I guess because of the writing screen ability? I, like they could I they couldn't so. put in the waterproofing layer. Hmm. Yeah, I have no real answer for the why. I will say it's unlike most of the other e-readers, or most of the other Kindles, with the with the exception of the base Kindle. The rest of them are all IPX8 or something like that. Because people want to read in the bathtub. I think the dream for a lot of people is I want to be sitting in the bathtub and have all of my books. I just want to like not worry about this device breaking or something. So or take it to the beach, sure, or take it to yeah. you know, or read and then outdoors and not worry about rain. I mean, I think this will withstand some droplets of water. Maybe You'll maybe, maybe be the okay. beach. Um, the the beach trick for everybody is get some big Ziploc bags and put your your yep. tablet or whatever in those because you don't want sand anywhere. No matter if you have Absolutely. water resistance, sand will dust and grass is the yeah, worst. Will screw up all of your devices. So. Yeah. So it seems like a mixed bag for you, Shalyn, on this, but you mostly like it. I really did. I will say, yeah, the question of whether I would buy it for myself is that $340 is a lot to pay for like a folder and or an e-reader in one. And, but the, and, and the fact that it's lacking the water resistance, the battery life is pretty decent. I mean, I, you're supposed to get up to three weeks on a charge if you're writing about a half hour a day. Um, so that's pretty good i mean it's not the same as a, a kindle that only does reading but this you have to think if you're writing non-stop for a bit it's draining the screen the pen itself doesn't need a charge which is pretty nice um and the last yeah i, I guess the last thing i want to say is like i i think i might have been maybe a bit too forgiving on hindsight mm. of amazon it, because i was these like software issues sound bad I was like, like this does not sound like a device i could recommend to people even if it works. I would. Basically. I mean, no, I can recommend. Yeah. So I did talk to a biomedical engineering mm-hmm. professor who was very uh, intrigued by the device. Uh, and he was like, oh, but he wants to highlight things in colors. Yeah. And I was like, oh, right. No, that, no. that's not for you. You got to use an iPad. So don't forget, this is e-ink. The other thing is, um, uh, whoa, the last thing I wanted to say about this device. Oh, no. Okay, back to the point I was making, which is that I thought I was too easy on Amazon on hindsight. I, I The software issues I kind of like brushed past because I thought maybe it's like e-ink makes things harder. But I also think that they could have stood to, like they waited so long to re- yeah. release this They've thing. They've been working they with e-ink so They could have stood to work long. on the software. Exactly. Yeah, they could have worked on the software a little harder before they released this. So no, I think I think I, Amazon... Step it up. Come Step on. Step it up. Uh, yeah, go. I try to. You, you got to judge projects, uh, products as we have them, not as a company. Say, oh, we'll fix this down the line, and it's a, uh, it's a shame. So anyway, that's the Kindle Scribe. Uh, Sherlyn mostly likes it, but it seems there are some issues. This feels like a device that will be discounted pretty quickly. Like mm. I don't hope yeah, so. So maybe if it's a hundred bucks off or more or something, then all of a sudden it's maybe more appealing. At that point, you can just suffer. If it's under two hundred bucks, it's like okay. If it doesn't sync as well, if it doesn't do as many things as you'd like, maybe then it's a little more appealing. I'm intrigued, but I still want the Remarkable Two. Uh, to me, that thing looks sleeker. Like it just looks like a better product. It looks more like an Apple product than 
I hate Amazon's product design like so much of the time. Um, so I wish Remarkable didn't have that freaking subscription, but I think they make you pay for that for the cloud syncing for a lot of like things it needs to use. So I guess we'll see. But you know what, um, Sherlyn, uh, where can people send you email if you have if they have questions about this thing? Yeah, tell me things you want me to write that are very, very PG rated. Uh, send them to, I guess, podcast.engadget.com. There you go. And hit us up on Twitter. And speaking of Twitter, I think it is worth uh, talking a bit about what is happening here. I'm not going to focus as much on the Elon Musk uh, shitstorm, which is just getting worse and worse. Um, constant. constant. The the most recent thing is like a lot of like banned accounts have been uh, put put back on. That's great. Uh, COVID nineteen misinformation fully allowed because no longer no longer yep. no longer a problem. But anyway, it does seem like a lot of people are considering alternatives. We've talked about Mastodon, which is the open source uh, sort of distributed uh, Twitter clone that's been around for several years. I've been surprised to see um, a lot of new things just really uh, pop off really quickly too. Like, have you heard of Hive Social, Sherlyn? I've been on Hive Social for. She's a bit, been yeah. on Hive. I mean. I've been, been on, on Hive. Uh, Hive Social, a uh, an app that really had no standing before all this Twitter mess, but apparently founded by a 24-year-old. It has two other engineers. Like, it's a handful of people running this app, which now has over 2 million users. And it is weird how this started happening. Like, I'm not sure what the initial spark was, but I noticed among certain subgroups. So among my, like, the people I follow in the video game journalism industry, so those people people started going over to Hive. Uh, some of the people on f- in film journalism that I follow, same thing. They started going over to Hive. And meanwhile, there are other folks, like more mainstream journalists, they were leaning towards Post, which is another... Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, another... It, it, both of these things look very much like Twitter. I think Hive uh, is a little more colorful and cutesy. Hive is kind of going for a cross between Tumblr and Twitter, I think. Like, it is... Yeah. And MySpace. And MySpace. Like, it feels like a step back. Host is a weird thing because um, right now it's just a website and you have to sign up for a wait list to join. Um, oh, some, oh, is it like a Substack? It's not a Substack. It is straight up like a Twitter type of thing. And what's interesting is it's founded by Noam Barden, the guy who founded Waze. So whenever like a, a successful entrepreneur tries a new thing, people are like, okay, I'm, I'm going to pay attention. Um What's interesting is that Post is getting a lot of support from mainstream journalists. So I'm seeing people talk about that more. Um, also, people like within media, you have to sign up for a waitlist to get in. Um, there's a sort of like gatekeeping attitude towards it, too. And I'm fully, I'm not fully sure how this platform works because you get Post credits when you join and you can buy more credits. I believe you could spend them to read some premium articles. Like it is, I think it's like the idea is like, what if you could build Twitter from the beginning? more focused on media and also around the idea of like making money and you know compensating for media which is kind of appealing but uh even this one like has some issues which is kind of funny i think the initial um launch post from numbarden a lot of people were pointing out um there's a quote in the original post that says we believe that all humans are created equal endowed with unalienable rights that include life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that sounds familiar uh regardless of their gender religion ethnicity race sexual orientation net worth or beliefs that protected class of people like net worth just gonna sneak that in there don't don't make fun of rich people we have feelings too that's what it really sounds like. That post has since been edited. So now net worth has been taken out. I think after a lot of people were like, what the hell are you talking about? 
This is ridiculous. But that do you think? Yeah. Do you think they were trying to say like socially economic backgrounds no, and then no, just no. like well, maybe the maybe. But if you say that, you you say that yeah, you don't it's, say it's a whole net thing. worth. The people who yeah. say net worth yeah. are the people who have net worth who have no worth, worth, yeah. worth talking about or like worth you know having feelings about so the thing of- i'm sorry i'm a poor person my net worth is a dollar <laughs> my net worth not so much um mm. what is funny is that a lot of people are saying like you know this this is a startup um that is funded by uh a16z uh and recent horowitz right and you know they were also behind clubhouse and remember that whole wave of like oh my god uh audio audio meeting rooms this is going to be the next wave of everything it's something we were all well, on they, mm-hmm, at the beginning of the pandemic because they got copied to death got copied yeah. to death and also i think made more useful on twitter like ironically mm-hmm. because Absolutely. clubhouse was a weird literally like a country clubhouse of elite people just talking to themselves in their own like little bubbles i think that is the danger with post um i also you can't easily search for people or follow people um, I see people put their profiles up on Twitter and I can like go follow them in there through that. There's no post app. It's just a website right now. So this is like high profile enough that people are just talking about it. Like, like that's the main thing because it's no, so it's post it's hive social, um, Mastodon. Well, yeah. You mentioned hive social. Can we quickly talk about hive social being like some kind of like they're stealing your data or something? Cause I saw there, that. Come so, up. okay. So hive social, uh, after it got super popular and really being run on a shoestring budget by a few people. Um, last night I saw a post saying, Hey, uh, we noticed some security issues and we're just going to like, stop. We're just going to like be offline for a bit. So, um, they're going to be offline for a couple of days because it's literally a couple people in a closet keeping this whole thing together. I, I'm not surprised there's security issues. So that's the other thing. Like, uh, But yeah, Hive Social is currently offline after being so, so funny. Like, what what do you think of Hive, Sherlin? Because I think you got to spend more time there. Yeah, I've been on Hive for like, I want to say, since all the Twitter stuff first started going down. So maybe a couple weeks or three. Um, never, It never really works very well for me. Because like you said, it's run by two people in a closet somewhere. Maybe they have two servers running the entire thing. And it just couldn't handle yeah. all the traffic it was starting to get. So nothing. I, I mean, I, I follow also people on my Mastodon and Hive, which I don't actually use that much anymore. They're like, oh, I see you follow only three people. Is it interesting for you in here? I'm like, yeah, I follow three people who I kind of I know. I only follow people I know. And then it's people that, you know, some of them you know, post more, but it means I doom scroll a lot less. Yeah, so I'm yeah. a lot less on these apps. Um, <laughs> that, that is the plus. So yeah, that's my experience. That's the plus for all of yeah, us. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like that's the thing a lot of us are seeing. Um, one thing uh, I've noticed that I think a lot of groups are just like breaking off into other networks, right? So maybe a certain group of people are going to be using posts, a certain group of people can be using Hive Social. It is a breakup of what was so special about Twitter, which is not great uh we've talked about mastodon as well and i spent a little more time there i hate the design i hate that it can't do it can't do as many things as twitter can do it's really hard to find people and also there have been reports from several people especially people working within social justice who are saying like oh their posts have been taken down you know or they have been um they've been uh, messaged because of the content of their posts and all their posts are talking about are maybe things like white privilege and things like institutional racism with Mastodon, you are basically um, beholden to whoever's managing the server you're on. So there, there is no, you know, greater company dealing with uh, content moderation. And those people can also read your direct messages. Um, 
it's not a great solution if you're not on the server you trust too. So we we are just in the wild west right now. I don't know. I know you love social apps, Sherlyn. I feel like we're joining a lot of these just to secure our usernames. That is why you'll find me on Mastodon. You'll find me on Hive Social just because I wanna I wanna keep my username in case any of these things actually pop off. I I don't think they're ever gonna be a Twitter level type company. And do you think Twitter's going away? I think Twitter is becoming a mess. And I think what we're seeing, and there's a lot of reports here too, that basically Elon Musk has a cabal of right-wing trolls that he's listening more to when it comes to uh, the decisions he's making. He is banning and certainly um, heavily moderating left-wing accounts and voices now too. Twitter is a mess, but also... I think as a platform, it is still the single most interesting and useful social network to me. So I'm going to be on it until, you know, to, to see what's happening. Um, a couple of weeks ago, there was there was a night where a lot of people thought that Twitter would just like fall apart the next day or like it would mm-hmm. be the last day. Because everyone was quitting. Everyone was yeah. quitting. Like we knew there wasn't enough support staff. So there was a one of the kind of wildest internet experiences I've seen out there is that there was a Twitter space hosted by uh, Katie Natopoulos and a whole bunch of like tech journalists and media people were on there and Neil Dash was there. And at a certain point, I was listening for like several hours. Um, ben Ullman, our producer, was uh, kind enough to record and transcribe that. So I'm sure he'll have a link up on his Twitter feed so you can go check that out. Um, but it was a really interesting conversation that involved a lot of things. Like it was both silly and poignant and people talking about their feelings about Twitter. There was the guy who posted every time he masturbated, like he was there, but also people talking about like what, what something like Twitter means for social justice and for, you know, uh, groups that are using a platform like Twitter to communicate. And everybody was just like pouring a drink out for Twitter. So I listened to this thing for like, two or three hours i poured a drink uh, you know for myself for you know just to pour one out for twitter um but up to twenty thousand people over twenty thousand people were listening to this twitter space at one point and uh that's fascinating you know that that was more people more staff more people than twitter actually had as staff at that point um it's wild it kind of shows like how this platform can also bring people together to really talk about things. Um, there was a lot of discussion about how Twitter is useful to people with disabilities. A lot of subgroups, a lot of like communities that don't normally get a voice can use Twitter to really get their you know message out there. And I think losing it is going to be a big problem for kind of for the world. That's kind of where I stand. Like I'm going to keep an eye on things until it falls apart. I don't know if you feel strongly, Sherlyn. Like to me, it is still the purest expression of the internet, I'd say. I wouldn't go so far as to call it the purest expression of the internet. In my mind, the purest expression of the internet is a GeoCities website from late 97. I mean, but uh, <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean by pure? Because I couldn't talk to anybody on the planet. Like, I couldn't immediately reach out to somebody else who's I don't know, using but the platform. I guess... Mm-hmm. I'm interpreting pure expression of the internet as like someone displaying their yeah. like likes and dislikes that's of what, a very pure that's form, what you're not doing necessarily Twitter, Twitter mm-hmm. which is a conduit for a conversation. Well, it's a two you're displaying your likes, but anyway, your is the same thing. We're just we're arguing definitions thing. at this point. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sure Sherlyn like I was gonna say something go, else, but go, yeah. go, go. I was just gonna say that like I'm like you. I'm sticking around on Twitter until they pull the plug. Not for any specific reason, just because I I enjoy interacting with people, like you said. But also, like you said, it's becoming more of a trash heap the way that it used to be in the early days uh, before all the moderation started happening. A lot of the 
I mean, it's starting to become a place where people love to give me advice, assuming I don't know things. Uh, and I'm just like, that that's cool, always been the I thing. Know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's always been, it got better. And then now it's like less. And I'm just like, is this, has this got anything to do with like the quality of people on Twitter now? I don't know. Um, I will, I'm also, like you said, a very social person and I do enjoy being on Instagram still. So I'll still be yeah. there. But yeah, you're I right. See Hive, you, Mastodon, and Post are not I see it. you on Be Real. I see like a bunch of people actually know on Be Real. Real. And I feel like Be Real is like this nice little... Be Real is fun. It's fun, although completely superfluous, but also the place where I can share pictures. I don't want the other the rest of the internet to see. So I think Be Real is kind of doing cool It's stuff. fun because it's safer. Yeah. yeah. It, it feels safer. It's a closer community, a closer community of friends that, that you pick to Yeah, yeah you yeah. were basically curating. So a couple of things we should mention. Uh, Elon Musk was also having some beef with... Uh, with Apple too, uh, there were there were reports that Apple was potentially looking at delisting Twitter from the App Store because of like the the crazy content that wasn't being moderated anymore. And Musk replied to to somebody who's like, "Oh yeah, uh, uh, we would make our own phone if Apple or Google, um, you know, delisted us." And I'm like, "Sure, Jan, you're gonna make your own phone." Yeah. Like. I thought that was so it's, funny. Uh, I no, and I saw a lot of people running with this as news too. I'm like, guys, Elon Musk is just replying to a Twitter question. That's all he's doing. He's not. He's not getting yeah. together. And he's making not a phone. saying he's, he's going to write his own it. phone. I know. Um, anyway, most yeah. recently yesterday, uh, Musk said he and Tim Cook uh, have resolved their dispute. Apparently, he he went on a tour of the Apple campus with Tim Cook, and they talked about this. So, seems like they're cool. Um, I also feel like Tim Cook is just like. It's sort of like when Tim Cook uh, met with um, Trump and his like panel of like science and technology people. It's like you, you got to talk to this person because they have too much power. But also, I secretly hate them. Uh, Musk also yeah. says that Neuralink. You remember Neuralink, the oh the gosh, company yeah. doing like the brain the interface. brain interface chip, which he's also CEO of. Uh, we'll start doing human trials within six months. So. Sure, we we can trust this man who can't run a social network properly to plug stuff into our brains, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, why not? I believe him. Sure, that's me playing Tim Cook. That's you playing Tim uh, Cook. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Me, me as Tim Cook, uh, showing Elon Musk around the Apple campus, just going here. You can put your money towards a lunch, and here on the Apple Fitness Center. You can run until hopefully I'm you just, don't. I'm, I mean, that thing's a spaceship, you know. So maybe, maybe in the center, I'm sure, I'm sure somewhere there is just like a bottomless hole on the Apple, Apple campus, right? They call it the eye hole. I don't know, but I can imagine Tim uh, Cook like bringing LMS, like, "Hey, come visit, buddy. Hey, look, 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 look over there. Look over here." push yeah it will problem solve when we were at apple yeah when we were on apple park doing um wwdc and the iphone event uh, the the parking lot the parking structure looks a lot like the severance building <laughs> just fyi so maybe they drop elon musk there and he just, never gets just there. trap him like really that's the best situation yeah. he can't tweet anyway anymore. we are going to keep an eye of course on what's happening with twitter and elon it's it's all very annoying but stay tuned to engadget.com Carissa bell's doing some great reporting on everything around social media so stay tuned folks Let's move on to some other news real quick. Uh, we already talked about Amazon saying that they're going to be losing $10 billion from, from Alexa devices. That is, that's a lot of money, but also Amazon is a company that is made to lose money until this stuff makes them money. So I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't read too much into that, but they are, you know, laying off a lot of people. I feel like a lot of tech companies are following that. Do you have any thoughts on that, Sherlyn, like overall? I'm just like thinking, how are they losing all this money? But it's you not know, making money. Obviously, the article explains. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so. what do you, once you get an Alexa device, what do you do? You ask it the weather. Um, I honestly use them every day because I play a lot of like internet radio stations. So, or right, just like the radio. Right. Like, I don't have a radio in most rooms yeah. in my house. So it's like, a, that's how I listen to NPR or something. But I'm not okay. buying things through Alexa, even though Alexa's like, Sorry. Uh, even though the Amazon speaker is being very annoying and recommended. Well, you said it yeah, so many times now. I feel matter. like someone's probably muted Whatever. their speakers. Um, but, yes. <laughs> but it's so annoying that it keeps recommending products to you. Um, I don't mind the subscription updates. That's kind of useful. But whenever you know, it says, by the way, did you know you could do yeah, this no, and I this and this? This. I'm like, shut yeah, up. Get shut away. up. I just I want to know it's, the weather. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. When it's offering unsolicited advice is when I hate it the most. But for me, my Amazon speaker is really just kind of just uh, languishing in the background, right? Because I have also Google speakers. And sometimes I hate my Google speakers, but they're generally smarter, generally faster. Um, yeah. I mean, signing into things using the Google Home app is also yeah, very yeah. Easy. Like I signed in once and then when I moved, everything was still signed yeah, in. I was like, fine. cool. I mean, it really comes down to the um, platforms you prefer too. So it's like what the Amazon speaker is doing isn't it was groundbreaking at the time and not everybody was like putting that amount of money into like speakers that were smart uh, that you could talk to, you know, like uh, that was certainly groundbreaking. But once everybody started doing it, it's like, I don't, I don't know what else Amazon has going for it. Um, I do like controlling things. Like I control my hue lights. I control all, a lot of things. Like it is a great smart home hub type device, but I can see why it's not making Amazon money. Like that makes complete sense. So real quick too, we got a bunch of other news we're going to run through. Um, Gorilla Glass. And Corning announced that there is a new Gorilla Glass. Of course, it's called the Victus 2. And I feel like every Gorilla Glass product announcement is the same. It is stronger. It can survive drops better. You'll see it soon. That's it. That's every Gorilla Glass cool. announcement we get, right? On phones. On phones. What if one day phone makers just stopped buying stuff from Corning? Well, you know? They, they would just... Yeah. But they are they are making wow. the best thing. Like that's the thing. I think a lot of companies are kind of stuck using Corning. Certainly Apple is, even though they don't really talk about it. And the story is that I believe like when the first iPhone was being built, like Apple spent a lot of time talking to people about like what can we do to make like really strong glass for a device that is mostly glass. And they started working with Corning and Corning like that that innovation kind of went to everybody else. Like we wouldn't have the modern smartphone market without strong glass like Gorilla Glass. So it's getting better. It's called Victus 2. <laughs> Deeper thoughts? I don't know. I'm just thinking of blowing glass now. You, blow <laughs> like, glass, you know how yeah. you go to the glass factory and you blow the glass and then like it becomes a little vase or a <laughs> One day I, I would know. like to go to the cool. Corning factory to talk about this stuff. They, I have yeah. been. It's so fun. Yeah. They've yeah. tried to invite us just, a couple of times. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to go to random Western New York for no reason. Yeah. I went to school in Buffalo. So oh, yeah. always God. Corning God. will have a... And it's called Corning too. Like the whole... Yep. <laughs> city i was like all right so let's, let's do, do it, it. Yeah. um all those new york cities like um all those new york towns ibm albany rochester yeah. buffalo ibm has yep. a place like up near rochester i believe hell yeah okay other news something fun uh we got a second trailer of the super mario brothers movie starring chris pratt and i don't want to talk about the casting of chris pratt but have you seen this trailer shalin it's it it's a me he actually says it's a me even though it doesn't doesn't make sense <laughs> of why he would do that um right one thing i want to mention uh this movie um is co-produced by an animation studio i believe it's illumination this movie looks really good 
and I don't think enough people are talking about that. Like it looks, the color design, uh, the, the kind of backgrounds, the detail, the characters, everything. Like compared to most other kid movies, I think there's a lot yeah. going on here. And I do think like that is going to yeah. be, that's going to be a compelling thing for kids. My daughter is like already very interested in checking out whatever this movie is about. And she hasn't really played Mario games. So I just think like I, I have a little more faith in what's going on here. And also the voices we hear from Jack Black and Charlie Day and whatnot, I think are, you know, I think it's good. So I think this will actually end up being better than a lot of people are expecting. We see some of the Rainbow Road. We see like Mario Kart stuff in here. We see Mario versus Donkey Kong in the trailer. It's funny. I like the gag. So I'm not going to I'm not just going to focus on the Chris Pratt of it all. I think there's a lot more going on with this movie. So I'm excited. Um, yeah. Can't wait to see it. You want to talk I about watch it. it yeah, good. Sherlin, you want to talk about the Spotify rap stuff as well? Y'all, this week you could get your Spotify wrapped for 2022 and show off to all your friends what songs you've been listening to or just cringe in embarrassment because for me, it's embarrassing. Um, but this year, uh, what Spotify is doing differently from previous years is that it's using kind of what music you've played in the last Twenty, I mean, twelve months, I guess. Um, to tell you what your personality type is, which is kind of funny to me. I'm like, oh, really? Like all the accidental songs that my dumbass Google speakers will keep randomly playing on Spotify for me feed into my personality too. I guess so. Um, but for me, I got the Explorer. I think with the Voyager. The Voyager was my personality type. It's so funny. They're also using the same like sort of letter structure as the Myers Briggs personality test. So it's like my uh, Voyager thing on Spotify corresponds to E-N-L-C. And I forget what they stand for, um, but you can check that out. Uh, if you have the Spotify app, I believe it's a Spotify premium feature. Um, but I also, I mean, every year this is like, I, I think this is so smart of Spotify to do, right? It has all this data about what you've listened to. It turns it into this fun little shareable nugget for you. I think it's a smart way for Spotify to A, get its name and brand out there, but B, get people interested in using the service because why like people are gonna be like you you see all the people posting these insta fest things on yeah, on yeah. social media it's just getting people to sign up for stuff because they can create cute content with it that they can share same thing with spotify reps like you'll get people curious to try it and out so spotify's for me, they're spending a lot of time and energy collecting all of our data right so now they're just like <laughs> kind of manufacturing it and turning it back into something that you can yeah. promote that promotes spotify it is honestly exactly. a little insidious it's fun. It's fun to share yes. this and be like, but it's also like, ha, huh, yeah. Spotify sure knows a lot be about aware me. Be aware that you're doing free marketing you're doing for free Spotify. Marketing, but also yeah. like, man, Spotify knows enough about me to like basically classify my personality. That seems that seems strange. Question, Devendra. Do you did you do your Spotify? I haven't done rap? it yet. Do also because every time I go to the app, I'm like, where where do I do this? What's what's happening? Oh yeah. yeah. It needs an update to show you. It'll be one of the front tiles on the I home see, page. I see uh, my wrapped playlist, Spotify. but I don't see the hey. Show oh. me the stories of all that stuff. So I will. Huh. I'll, I'll, that is strange. I got to do some uh, poking around. I just haven't cared enough to like really search. So yeah. yeah, I I love how also the the results sometimes are like so funny because it's like um oh you listened to forty six different genres today you explored a lot and then it told me that my top five genres were pop K pop uh R and B Korean R and B I was like mm, 
that's not a lot. <laughs> I don't feel like that's a lot, but thanks, thanks. Uh, it's just very granular genre. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there we go. Absolutely. And you want to shout out something else too, right, Chillin? So this weekend on December 3rd is the International Day of Persons with Disabilities. And uh, Apple actually this week released a video showing some of its uh, features that are designed with accessibility in mind. Uh, I think the video looks really nice. It was it was designed with and created with the people that it actually um, featured. So it's people who themselves have disabilities. One of the creators or the people featured in there doesn't have uh, arms, so they use their feet to use assistive touch to do things like watch makeup tutorials, pick makeup looks. Uh, there's a musician that's visually impaired who uses their phone um, detection mode, their iPhone's detection mode, to see where their clothes are or see where what doors have the correct labels on them to walk in to find the stage or something. So, um, I think it's a fun way to get to know what features are actually available on Apple's products. Do we think it's a little bit more like advertising? Yes. It's all advertising. Um, it, it is all advertising. It's a good thing. Like, it's a good thing Apple is doing this stuff. And I can't, it does kind of push the industry forward a bit. Like, it does push other companies to be like, well, Apple's doing this. We better at least be equivalent to, you know, or offer something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, again, as a reminder, December 3rd, International Day of Persons with Disabilities. It doesn't really. <laughs> mean you have to go out yeah. and i don't know just like find a person to celebrate with but just but well note that a lot of companies are leveraging this to highlight their their accessibility features which is like a good thing but also kind of self-serving sometimes so let's not yeah <laughs> there we it. it's there it uh, it's all a balance but i think it's good technology today so thank you with for that yes. let's move on to what we've been working on and uh, i've been off for a couple days actually around the thanksgiving holiday uh also because i know it's all gonna be ces hell and prep for now mm-hmm. so that that is what I am in the middle of. As soon as I sign off of this show, I'm going to be talking to some companies. I'm going to New York next week to meet with Dell and some other folks too. So I'll be seeing Sherlyn and everybody. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll do. I'll do the episode from there next week. But Sherlyn, what are you working on? Uh, I, I I spent too much money. Oh no! Uh, this <laughs> last few days with the holiday shopping. Um, let us know what y'all bought during the Black Friday slash Cyber Monday season, uh, if at all, or or if you didn't buy anything, tell us as well. Send us an email to podcast at engadget uh, Also, I'm working on the best and worst uh, coverage for the year. Tell us what you thought were some of the best things in mm. tech this year. You don't need to tell me what you thought were the worst things because I know. So many and bad also. Things. <laughs> we have such a long oh list of bad things this I have year. a hard time thinking of any good sent. ones yeah exactly me too my list of like good ones right now is like one thing maybe uh and then we'll we'll see so so send us what you think we're like winners this year winners in mm-hmm. tech uh i don't want to you know if you want to tell me that you personally won a football match or something sure you can send that our way podcast at engadget.com but winners and losers in tech is what i'm working on as well as other uh background stuff hey while we're doing quick shout outs i just want to quickly shout out to hey riley Hey, Riley, you're listening to this in your car with your mom. So, hi. What's up? Okay, that's it. I think so, yeah. (laughs) Let's move on to pop culture picks. And I know you want to talk about something that I really enjoyed. Yeah. So, I saw people on my Twitter slash other social media platforms. No, I watched Jordan Peele's Nope for the very first time on an airplane. Oh, so good. Man. So on an I know. Airplane. I know. I know. What about yeah? You really you, every you week, know me. Trillin, every week you kind of ruin I something. Know. Disappoint you. I find a way to disappoint <laughs> okay. you. Um, uh-huh. It was such a good film. I was I went in blind. I didn't know what to expect at all. I didn't know what the premise was going to be. I know that it was going to vaguely be scary, but it was 
kind of scary at the start, but honestly, the rest of it was just an intriguing tale. Um, I know it's supposed to be about spectacle and it's about, you know, America's relationship with that. But I, you know, didn't really get that until I read the reviews afterwards. I just thought it was a great science fiction yeah, movie. Yeah, it's uh, because the idea of a spectacle, were you watching it on the freaking airplane screen, Trillin? Shh. It's not, not much spectacle on like an eight inch little tablet Shh. screen. It was a lot of spectacle to people behind yeah. me. Like, anyway, like, it was a, no, I love Nope. Nope was a great experience in the theaters. And uh, yeah, what, yes. uh, that's one of those movies. Steven Yoon, amazing. One of those Sorry. movies was that you want to watch on the biggest screen you can. So even if you're watching at home, like get up close to that TV. Like it is, it, it's so much fun. Um, cool. Anything else we want to mention about Nope? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I liked Steven Yoon, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, obviously, and Kiki Palmer. All of them did such a great job. Brandon, I forget their last name, also great. Jordan Peele, great storyteller. So fascinating. I was so love fascinated him, love throughout. Him. My, uh, yeah. But I do have another shout out really quickly. Um, because we've already recommended Nope on this podcast before, I wanted to come to you with something fresh. And this is the podcast called Something Was Wrong. Uh, it is a true crime-ish uh, podcast my friend Michelle recommended it to me and she was like holy you want to because me and Michelle we get together and we talk about people who have awful lives <laughs> and very dramatic stories in their okay. lives and this is basically something was wrong every season they bring you a true life story of someone who's going through some really crap in something really crap in their life and basically they're just chugging through life and then dun, dun, something was wrong and it's like it just kind of unfolds that drama and we were just listening to season nine it was very very interesting so if that sounds up your alley you can check it out on wherever you get your podcasts cool all right thank you Sherlyn. and i just briefly want to talk mm-hmm. about glass onion the sequel to knives out the next Ooh. uh yes! the next Blanc movie i just saw it in theaters it was only in theaters for one week and i think netflix made a very dumb decision to just give it a week because to release it uh, every, everybody I see on Twitter is talking about like, oh man, my theater was so full. We all had a great time. Uh, there were a lot of people in my screening too. And it's a great crowd pleasing movie. It is another murder mystery, um, very similar to the first Knives Out, but this one is set in like a, uh, a Greece, a Greek island run by a uh, kind of a crazy tech CEO played by Edward Norton, who's always fun. Uh, this movie directly like, um, is directly poking fun at Elon Musk and a lot of tech bros and tech culture in general. So I think if I have time, I'll try to write a piece about that. But it it is very much, if you're listening to this podcast, I think you will enjoy a lot of this movie. has a great cast. Great to see Daniel Craig back here. But also Dave Bautista, who's hilarious and always funny. Catherine Hahn and Janelle Monae, my favorite. I love her Mm. so much. She is playing a very like key role in this movie. I think it is well-made. It's by my boy, Ryan Johnson, who I, I love. I love. I remember seeing his first movie when it was a little indie movie and I had to go to like a random theater in Hartford to go see it. And now dude has done Star Wars. He has done, you know, he has his own like little franchise here that is doing very well. Um, this is going to be on Netflix uh, later this month, December 23rd. So be sure to check it out. Unfortunately, can't see in theaters. Um, I think Netflix's CEO said that maybe they would bring it back to theaters if people were interested. Um, but that would have to be like after the Netflix premiere. It does show that people want to go to theaters. Like we, we want to get out of our houses and go do things and watch things. Yeah. yeah, it just sucks that right now it's the cold season again. Mm-hmm. Everyone's getting sick with something. It's the cold season and again, we, we were still in the pandemic yeah. too. And it sucks that the, all, when I go that. to the theater here, I'm literally the only person wearing a mask. So I'm always trying to get a seat away from everybody. And 
It's not fun. But anyway, I think you'd enjoy Glass Onion Trillin. Um, yeah. I think so, yeah. too. It's so much fun. If you'll enjoy Murder Mysteries, go ahead. Final note to everyone. Take care. Wear your mask if you can. Not just for COVID, but for everything else that's going around. You just don't want to be sick this holiday season where our immune systems are down. So just be safe. Well, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. This podcast is produced by Ben Elvin. You can find Davindra, not at a theater, well, at a theater, but also online at... At Davindra on Twitter, and I talk about movies and TV at the Filmcast at thefilmcast.com. If you want to send me cute things for Riley's eyes, you can <laughs> hit me up. I am at Sherlyn Lowe still on Twitter. Email us your thoughts at podcastandengadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. 